Dr. Nancy O'Reilly's groundbreaking book, In This Together, landed on bookstore shelves with a powerful message. When we work together, we can do absolutely anything. Guidance from 40 women leaders with specific strategies to help women advance their careers makes In This Together even more relevant today, especially with the pandemic's impact on women in the workforce. Take your career to the next level with Dr. Nancy O'Reilly's In This Together, now available on audiobook. Download your copy today. Yeah, I mean, my purpose is definitely for higher good. It's definitely never was money driven. Like, I just, because you can't leave with it. And I don't believe in making millions and millions of dollars and just having it sit in the bank collecting interest when there's so much that needs to be done, so many people that could utilize that. And then my extra credit is credit from God. That's how I see it. That's singer, songwriter, producer, and social entrepreneur Akon, who is currently using his platform and connections to inspire fans to see a better version of themselves and the world. His purpose has led him to establish businesses like Akon Lending Africa and Acoin with the intent to empower African entrepreneurs by creating a cryptocurrency financial system and most noticeably providing light to 100 million residents because... Once the sun goes down, they can't even properly study because that kerosene lamp is in the center of the floor that has to illuminate the whole building and you can barely even see. And then you're dealing with all the smoke that comes from the kerosene, so your eyes are blurry, watery, and then you have to read damn near in the dark in the process. So with these lights now, it allows them to be able to study so much later. Real problems. You don't see thieves out there no more. These guys who was, you know, taking advantage of women coming through night trying to get home for rape or whatever the case, that now is completely diluted. So, I mean, we realized that that crime rate went from, from 95% to damn near less than 10% after those lights were installed. Career journeys. You Now you got it, then what? Okay, you go and work hard to make all these millions, buy all these houses, all these cars. Okay, now they're there, they're just sitting there, but then what? And leadership lessons. A leader is someone that knows how to motivate people to do things they never wished or thought that they could actually do. People that allows people to find the inner them to make themselves stronger when they didn't believe in themselves. You're listening to The Real Years Podcast to find out what motivates people beyond their chosen careers. That's right, and welcome listeners and newcomers to the Relayers Podcast, where we feature CEOs, founders, and social entrepreneurs to learn what motivates them beyond their chosen careers. If you're looking to this podcast to kind of learn about Akon's music secrets and his fame, his fortune, his cars, and and smack that, you know, my apologies, but this interview, um, you know, we really wanted to dive into how Akon's life experiences have changed his perspectives on the world, and and more importantly, for from the business side of things, you know, what were the intentions behind starting these these social enterprises, you know, that these businesses that inherently create more impact as they scale. Um, so it's a great interview. Uh, Akon really opened up about his feelings towards immigration, helping Africans in emerging markets. And I think the coolest thing I took away from this interview is, is what he said about what really drives him uh, to do all these, these massive good-hearted deeds. Um, so thanks for listening. And it's a great you know, podcast and episode, you know, no matter what stage of life you're in. And, you know, Akon, we appreciate his time. He actually flew from uh, uh, Saudi Arabia uh, just for this interview and then flew back. So, you know, we really do appreciate his time. And I hope you can take him as much away from this episode as I did. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the real Akon. 
Three, two, one. Real problems, career journeys, and leadership lessons. You're listening to the Real Leaders Podcast to discover what motivates Akon beyond his chosen career. Akon, thanks for being with us today. No, thanks for having me, brother. And where are you coming in from? Uh, where am I coming in from? You're 16 hours in Dubai, you were just saying I saw? I was in Saudi. Saudi? Saudi, Saudi Arabia. And, and is Dubai in Saudi Arabia? Or is no, Saudi Arabia? actually it's not. It's, it's its own thing. It's right? its own thing, but it's really close to each other. It's like an hour, hour and a half plane ride. They're really close to each other. Though. Yeah, it's interesting. I was going to say, um, you know, if we took both our friends, so say you got like, you got like 90 friends, I got like three, mm. you got like 93 people. <laughs> How many, how many people, like how many, what, what percentage would you say of your friends could, if we place on a map right mm-hmm. in front of them, could point out Dubai? Um, percentage of my, I got a lot of, a lot, actually a lot of my friends are internationally. So mm-hmm. they would pretty much be very familiar. Now my friends in the U.S., I'll probably say maybe 10%. Okay, would be able to see, point I think that's a, even like a, a fair number for my friends, yeah. 10%. Yeah. Because, and that's like the biggest thing for me is I'm interviewing people and that, the biggest problem that I found is in America, mm-hmm. my friends. They don't travel. Well, they don't travel. They're not culturally diverse. Yeah. They, they don't have other experiences. Mm-hmm. I think we live in a bubble. We're not necessarily under a rock. No, we do live in a bubble. But though. we're in a bubble. We that's can, for sure. We can see out, but we just don't know what to do. <laughs> um, so, you know, the first question I have for you is how have your experiences from living in Senegal mm-hmm. to now in you know, New Jersey and St. Louis, all these different cultural experiences, how have they shaped your perspective on the world? Um, actually, I, that's one of the things I felt like was an advantage. Right. You know, I, I got a huge advantage in the realm that I'm in from music, entertainment, just in this lifestyle, being living in America and doing what I'm doing. The advantage I had was that I came from a third world country. So I always looked at the world as one big globe. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm always traveling, always moving around. And I think the advantages that I had in the U.S. was the fact that I was already diversified from a mental standpoint and creatively, mm-hmm. creatively, and it opened up my, uh, you could say, opportunities more. Right. You know, because I was able to dig, dip and dab into different things and create a whole different sound, different culture. Even as we move and how I think about how we market and promote is completely different because I think from a worldwide perspective. Definitely. So, like, yeah. when you when you, I think you came from Senegal to New Jersey, right? Uh, from Senegal to St. Louis. St. Louis, right? Yeah, Jersey came shortly after. And that's and that's interesting because I I was doing my research and I was listening to your interview on mm. I think it was Drink Chance or something like that. Yeah. But um, when you, people don't realize that if you're born in the United States, you're considered a citizen. Yeah, you're a citizen. In Canada, I think mm. it is. Yeah. But Europe and the rest of the world, you're not. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people will come to the United States. Um, have children and then move somewhere else because they have that, um, they have their citizens now, right? Yeah. So it's a, it's a great way to do that. Um, but, you know, refugees and immigration, it's a big issue right now um, in the entire world. And obviously, you know, we're having some prob- problems with our government in the United States with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how important is it um, that we look at immigrants in, in a different way, in a different light? Because I feel like there's immigrants that come to our country are just all, they're all entrepreneurs. You know, they know the, there's the, the other alternative, right? Well, so how should we be looking at immigrants? This is the thing, like me, I'm, I'm a huge, I have a huge discrepancy against all of that. Because I just don't feel that we as like humans have the right to say where another human can go. Right. Like the globe weird, was right? the globe was set up for us to travel, move, you know, like I just don't understand the concept and idea. I don't even know what the purpose of immigration and that those lines are outside of just 
control and making money. I don't get it. Like I don't even think I don't even understand why the word immigration even means anything. Why do we have to have to title each other immigrants? Like what is that? Well, it's ridiculous. It's stupid. Like yeah. it's 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 the dumbest thing in the world. And I think the whole like like just imagine if animals decided to create borders of where they can go. Yeah. Just think about it. Imagine fishes in the water can say, "Okay, well, I can't swim over here." Yeah. Just like who are we Let's to say a, a saltwater fish? And trying to fresh water. Yeah, because obviously the dynamics of, you know, you know, the elements of how you can actually live makes plays a role. But that's like us going into outer space. Right. We can't go there without special equipment and certain planets we can't land on. So it's, when you look at saltwater fish and freshwater fish, that's the same dynamic. But when we're actually sitting on one global platform that was built for us to strive, live, create, and innovate under God's eyes, I don't see how people can sit there and say, okay, well, you can't come over here. I don't understand the concept of and that. And I think that just goes back to, we're living in a bubble. People are experienced with other people. They haven't yeah. been able to understand other cultures and, and differences. And it's a big problem that we're kind of experiencing, especially with, it's a lot off topic, but like mm -hmm. climate change have, will displace, I think it was like a, a ridiculous numbers, like 140 million people by 2050. Sea level rises. Um, it's going to be super hot in different types of places and all these refugees are going to be different places. And I want to get to that a little bit later with cryptocurrency in mm -hmm. terms of establishing a, a virtual identity. I think that's really interesting. Absolutely. But back to the bubble, you know, what like, maybe like racial barriers did you experience in New Jersey? I know you talked about that a little bit in the magazine. Mm -hmm. Could you kind of tell people kind of what you experienced coming from Senegal to the United States? Well, the thing is, I never knew there was different shades of black till I came to America. <laughs> I didn't know that there was, okay, you light-skinned, uh, you dark-skinned, or no, uh, she red. <laughs> I'm like, what? You black, you black, right? <laughs> so, and, and it's, it's just different because even when I came out here, I started to realize even there's different shades of white. And I didn't even know that that, the di no, I didn't know the difference between white people and Jewish people. Like, these are the things that completely baffles me. Even till this day, I'm like, what are y'all talking about? Yeah. Like, what? This is like, but in, you know, ultimately the idea and how I'm visioning things is completely distorted from how life actually is being lived and portrayed in humans' eyes according to cultures and how people are brought up. And I think that sometimes these cultures, they do more, you know, they distort more than they actually help, especially in the Western world. Because when you go to you know, um, developing countries, their minds are pretty much open to everything. Mm -hmm. This is why they feel like they can roam and go and move and so on. And then obviously some people are moving because of you know, mistreatment or environment being you know, uh, abused in so many different ways from governments or whatever the case may be, but they're doing it for the sake of survival. This is not a choice. If they can be safe and feel great where they are and live peacefully, they wouldn't need no reason to come over. You follow what I'm saying? So if opportunities were, 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 were you know, balanced and people would be where they are and then they would just travel for fun or travel for curiosity or just travel for the sake of traveling. But ultimately, when you see immigrants go through that type of stuff and they're taking life chances, like crossing waters in weeks and months with no life rafts and no food, no water, like literally risking their lives to get somewhere, you have to take that into account. No person, would take a risk like that if they didn't have no other choice. Exactly, and that's that's what I'm saying. It's like that they know their alternative. Yeah, that's there is no other alternative. So for you to just have a person, no matter if you got kids, families, women, elders, come at your door asking for help, and you just block that access, and you think that's actually cool? Mm -hmm. 
To me, that's crazy. Is this kind of, was this also like a motivation for you too when you came to the States? Like you wanted to make it, you wanted to do good. And I know you kind of had a music background with your family. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how did you get into music and what kind of drove you through that career? Well, I got into music because my dad was a jazz musician. You know, he was, um, he, he kind of was the, the, the door opener for music in our family. You know, he came to the U.S. back in the early 60s. And, and how big was your family? My, oh, huge. My, big family? Yeah, I got a huge family. Like, African families are big. Really? Yeah, I got 19 brothers, you know, and three sisters. Right. You know, so it's like, you know, but through my mom, it's, it's four of us and my one little sister. You know, but ultimately, families in Africa are huge. And family is the foundation. Like, we all live in one house, literally. If it's, like, the way we move, we just buy property and all the family would be on that land, you know what I mean? And it's be yeah. blocks and blocks and blocks and blocks of just family. So the whole village is normally related. You know, that's why you have people that in, in Africa where we marry distant cousins. You may like third, fourth generation cousins, they get married because they keep it all in the family. You know, so it's, it's one of those things where the family just continues to grow and grow out wide, you know. Um, but ultimately, when I first came, my dad was one of those people that influenced me from a standpoint of music because he did music. Not so because I wanted to do music, I just grew up watching my dad do it, and I just naturally flowed in because he taught us how to play the drums, and we're all percussionists. And then eventually I started to you know, move into other instruments and learned how those things worked out, and I liked it. And it became a hobby, you know? And then before you know it, it became something that just kind of embedded as I was going through personal issues. I was really quiet and low-key. I never talked to really too many people about my problems. I would just write songs about it as a way of venting or dealing with those issues yeah, without making it public. Okay. And it just became a whole bunch of songs and my experiences just kind of lining up. And that became the beginning of what you see today. Interesting. And so what have you really taken from the music career that you can now apply towards an entrepreneurial type mindset in a business like this? Um, the music career, what I really take about it is take from it more than anything is the access. Because yes. the music access is like no other. I mean, it, it walks you into doors you would never be able to walk into without having specific credentials. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like... Like, like clubs? Or? Music becomes the all-access pass to any and everything you want to do. Yeah. Because no matter what you do in the world, there, there has to, it, some place of it has to have a lifestyle piece or entertainment piece. And every corporation want to be sexy. So no matter how you look at it, entertainment has to be involved in any kind of business you're in. And me being in the entertainment business just kind of walks me through those, those doors and avenues. And once you're in that door, if you don't take advantage of the opportunities around you, 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 you you're missing the point. And that's, that's what I wanted to get to is, you know, when did you realize you could use your connections and this wealth to really make a positive social impact on the world? Um, I kind of realized that earlier on because when I started to do music, I started to travel in areas I'd never been to before. And I started witnessing a lot of turmoil, started witnessing a lot of things in the world that could actually be changed. And then as I started traveling, I started meeting people that was along the lines of areas of occupation where those parts can actually be used in these areas to help better situations. You know what I mean? So I start putting two and together. You know, I'm like, okay, 
the water here is horrible. Okay, uh, the Johnson family, that's what they do. They do water purification, da, 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 da. Yo, listen, I know this area over here. The business is great. The need is there. It's real business there. Plus, we're helping people in the process. Can you open up that door for us? Of course, cool. Call the mayor, call the governor, call the president, whatever, whoever we need to reach out to to get that you know, access to have, you know, to propose something that actually works in that territory to help the people. In the process, you're making good money. So it would be, it'd be a lot of those type of situations that constantly come. And before you know it, it became like, wow, maybe this was what I was meant to do, to put you know, solutions along with issues and problems and you know, create you know, basically solutions and make good money in the process. And you're, you're still using you know, music as like an accelerator, kind of using your fans to kind of, and we'll get on this a little bit later, I'm mm-hmm. gonna you know, yeah. spoil the beans, mm-hmm. um, but you're using music now to drive more people and drive the awareness around these issues. Um, but let's start off with uh, Acom Hunting Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, walk me through the intention behind this and how this kind of started. Well, the Acom Lighting Africa was one of those, it started off as, honestly, just wanting to just, bring electricity to my grandma's home. Grandma's <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, because you can't go home without visiting grandma. Right. And I'm so spoiled now to... And what year is this? I don't even remember. I think it was 2010, maybe? 2010, and your grandma... Yeah, this is between 10. Yeah, it was around 10. Yep, actually it was around 10. Because wow. it was shortly after the World Cup, I went back home, visit mom. Um, and it's just, I got so spoiled to the the way I'm used to living, you know, my warm water, my electricity. Yeah, sure. And mom, she still lives in the village, you know? And this is like 20 years later, uh, this, this place looked the same it was when I left. I mean, I was, I've been going frequently, obviously every summer since I left and when I was a child, but after a certain amount of time, you're like, wait a minute, man, I just want to be able to come to grandma's house, feel comfortable take a shower in warm water, you know what I mean? <laughs> like use a stove, like just basic things. But she still lives the way we, you know, kerosene lamps, you know, charcoal as a grill, you know. We, uh, my, my cousin. Kerosene lamps have burned a lot of people. Man, it's, it's, I mean, it's toxic, it's hazardous, it's, it's, it's not safe, because that at any moment, it can tip over and the whole, everything, you know, catches on fire. Like, it's really cautious. You can't really do that too much. So ultimately, because of that, that's, I, that's when I was like, you know, I want to buy her a house in the city. Mm-hmm. And she wouldn't accept it. She's like, I don't want a house. I'm happy here. I'm like, but why would you be happy here when I can get you a huge house in the city and you're close to everything? She's like, no, this is where I raised everybody. This is where I raised all you guys. And grandparents are really big on memories. You know, they're they really, oh, yeah. really big on memories. They'll tell you. You know, so they, don't, they will not leave where they are. So I was like, all right, well, then at least let me put some, you know, electricity here and some water, basically. So, and that's how it all started. Well, tell me about the process. That's what I'm most interested in. You, yeah. know, how, you established a credit line. Um, you know, what type of financial instruments did you use to fund something like this? You were talking about connections earlier. Who did you reach out to? Mm-hmm. Walk me through this process. Well, it, you know, it all started with me reaching out to the president, you know, the, um, the previous president before Mike Isau, um, whose name was Abdullah Wadr. And uh, I told him that I wanted to do an initiative in the village of Kaulak, where my grandma was actually raised. And I want to put some solar lights down, you know. Um, but before I brought the solar uh, proposal to him, I was reaching out to friends in, in the Middle East about building a power plant to light up the whole country. Mm. And that's when the president told me, he said, you know, this is not as simple as just getting some guys put up the money, setting up a power plant, and you're in business. Right. Like, you're walking into a business that actually create wars. Sure. And he said it in a way to where I understood what he meant. So mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? 
okay, that might be a little too much for me. Let me do something simple, non-threatening. But at the end of the day, I want to be able to achieve the goal, which is make sure my, my mom's light house is lit up and then whoever's surrounded can benefit from it. And that's when I was leaving out, obviously disappointed because the president couldn't help me on that level. But as I'm leaving, I see a guy with one of those little portable lights with a solar piece on the top of it. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, it's when it clicked to me, like, wow, that's the solution. Mm -hmm. So I started doing more research about you know, solar, reached out to a friend named Chon, who introduced me to Samba, who was in the business for about 25 years, and he gave me and, you know, some areas where I can do my research, and I realized that China had invested you know, billions of dollars in solar panels and factories and assembly plants you know, for the purpose of using it in the US, but then they put a 200% tax on it. So they couldn't really even be active, 200% tax after investing all that money, right? So now they have factories sitting there, all this you know, solar research and plants and panels that they can't even use. It's just sitting in a warehouse. Ah, smart. That's when I saw that advantage. And I flew out to China, met up with the company, Sumac, and was like, listen, this, we, we can, there's, a, there's a place here where we can salvage this. I can help you, you can help me. You put in all this investment you can't use. You know, how about I take that over and, and, and you know, implement it in Africa? And he was like, well, how you plan to do that? And I explained to them the whole initiative and how we plan to move. And they gave me a billion dollar credit line to utilize all those properties for the projects we did in Africa. Making moves, man. And it all worked out. Billion dollar credit line, stopped yeah. with China, solar panel manufacturer, yeah. just in the warehouse, wholesale, bring them in. Yeah. And now you're providing energy to 100 million Africans. Yeah. So what that means is we talked about earlier with kerosene lamps. Um, lanterns. A lot of people need to run their businesses at night. Yeah. They can't with no uh, electricity. They can't. Solar panels can do that. Yeah. It reduces crime in the neighborhood. Oh man, the impact that comes from that is endless. Like, like you said, you know, it it it, it definitely boosts the commerce there and the business there because most of them have to shut down before the lights come down. You know, for the fear of being robbed or you know whatever the case may be. So now, because the, we, they had electricity, they can stay into wee hours of the night, making more money for their families to be able to provide. And then when you look at the kids and when it comes to education, how that impacts. I mean, they're sitting there literally studying and trying to beat the sun, because once the sun goes down, they can't even properly study because that kerosene lamp is in the center of the floor that has to illuminate the whole building. You can barely even see. And then you're dealing with all the smoke that comes from the kerosene, so your eyes are blurry, watery, and then you have to read damn near in the dark in the process. So with these lights now, it allows them to be able to study so much later and take the time to really get into those studies and be able to, you know, you know, take full advantage of the education that they're getting there. And then from standpoint of security, I mean, women can now walk in and out the street, coming back, you don't see thieves out there no more. These guys always, you know, take advantage of the women coming through night trying to get home or for rape or whatever the case, that now is completely diluted. So, I mean, we realized that that crime rate went from, from 95% to damn near less than 10% after those lights were installed. That's incredible. So the impact, just with simple light, how much impact it does is unbelievable. And it's, it's just almost, it's like, it's almost just like unfortunate that yeah. it took you to just do that. Well, I mean, you had to wait that long until 2010, 2016 for that to happen. You know, I mean, because you know, I, I wouldn't want to sit here and take all the credit for it because there's a lot of people out there doing great work. Absolutely, yes. What, but this, where you know, to your point, the platform, the music, opens the door for us to have more reach and let more people know what we're out there doing. Um, and, and just like for the long term, I mean, have you yourself been able to quantify really what that means to provide energy to a hundred million people? No, I never really, no. I, I never really stopped us. Because yeah. you got to think, there's over seven billion people on this earth, right? 
about a billion of them live comfortably. And I'm just talking about comfortably. Half that live, don't have to worry about it maybe. You know, that 1% is gonna be making money for generations down the line. And then you have the rest of the like five billion people who are trying to figure out every day who's struggling, the basic family or person, the basic teenager or the basic you know, labor worker that's out there just, just trying to make a basic living for their families. And then in the process of doing all that, you have to deal with all the bureaucracy, all the politics, all the people that's making decisions for you who not understanding or lived in the situation that you're dealing with. So they're the ones making the decision for you and don't even have a clue of what you're dealing with. So their decisions are more based on how they benefit from it. And if it helps people, great. If it doesn't, okay, well, we'll find another solution. It's always solutions, solutions, and conversations, but there's never no action. You know, so it puts you in a really situation to where it's like, okay, what is life and why are we living like this? What is the purpose? And then that's when, obviously, faith kicks in. So now your faith is a lot stronger because you're like, okay, well, God will fix everything. But God can't fix it unless you make a move to go towards a plan of action. And, and, and leading with a higher purpose, I think, is, is a, a unique trait that a lot of leaders possess. You know, not just doing something for yourself and, you know, make the waste program, entrepreneurial enterprise, something like that. Mm -hmm. But you're really leading with a higher purpose. And I feel like people want to surround themselves with someone like yourself because it's for a higher good. Yeah, I mean, my purpose is definitely for higher good. It's definitely never was money driven. Like, I just, because you can't leave with it. And I don't believe in making millions and millions of dollars and just having it sit in the bank collecting interest when there's so much that needs to be done, so many people that could utilize that. And then my extra credit is credit from God. That's how I see it. Right. Like, that fortune that I'm searching for is those credits to be able to walk into heaven and say I did my part and not have to be judged or put in that balance scale like how it's good towards its faults. Like I don't, I want to know that I can peacefully rest knowing that I'm going to a better place. Right. And I always looked at Earth as a test for that. And now a special message from the company who made this podcast possible. It's interesting, you know, I interview a lot of uh, CEOs and people that are now in the social impact space and they all made a certain amount of money. They reached at the limit and they really said, you know, what is money anymore to me? Yes, yeah, it's just a tool. Different. Did you ever reach a, a point like that and when was it? Well, the thing is, I never really looked at money as something that moved me, you know, because okay. I always was comfortable. Even when we didn't have, I was always comfortable because we had the, the basic needs. And I give that credit to my parents because they never made us feel it. You know, I, now I know that we were in certain situations because I know now what that looks like as an adult. You know, we lived, like even when we was living in East St. Louis, like we were literally in the projects. But I had friends, we ate three meals a day, I had fun, we played barefooted, played basketball. Like, right. I didn't know we was even struggling. Right. The projects was just, to me, a place where we lived. Exactly. But now I'm like, well, we actually lived in, you know, government housing, I didn't know that. But because the parents made it so comfortable for us, we didn't realize that we were going through that issue. So I always felt like life, the basis purpose is just to be comfortable, be happy, and just live it. But I think to be out there working and striving and sweating to gain more and like, it's like, okay, you now you got it, then what? Okay, you go and work hard to make all these millions, buy all these houses, all these cars. Okay, now they're there, they're just sitting there, but then what? Right. You wanna just get it just to tell yourself, I have it, I own it? You know what I mean? So I think it all depends on how you look at it and what perspective of life that you decide to adapt as you move forward. It's well said. And we, we're kind of just talking about big problems in Africa, mm -hmm. uh, electricity being one of them. 
Uh, what we like to say kind of is like the world's biggest problems mm. are the world's biggest business opportunities. Ab no, that's for sure. And so that's 100%. emerging markets, you know, people that are coming in and starting to uh, have a little bit more disposable income, these people are, are the next projects, big projects, yeah. which is which I want to take to uh, a coin. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me what you're doing with the new cryptocurrency? Oh man, the, the cryptocurrency I think is going to be the biggest solution for Africa and all emerging countries. I'm excited about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about it because the whole idea, we're utilizing it in a way of a collaboratory you know, uh, aspect where any and everybody can have uh, a vision, or have a passion that the Acoin can actually, you know, uh, provide solution for, and the younger generation is our biggest biggest target, because these guys are the most disruptive, they the most innovative, and they have a lot more life to live. So they see in it from a different set of lenses. And when you look at the, the, the problems in the world, there's so many of them with no solution attached to it, and majority of them is all financially based. So now if we sit down and we create a financial system that allows people to be able to literally barter and trade the basic thing as a skill or knowledge, because all that's worth something. You follow what I'm saying? But no one can really quantify what's that worth to you. But if you, have, if you can attach that to a currency that's completely transparent, that's fully secure, and in a position that is actually you know, saturated in a way to where there's an audience out there that believes the same role in how you feel and believe in uh, understanding what that worth is, then that becomes something of value. And, and that's what that A-coin becomes. It becomes the value to whatever that asset that you bring to this world. And it's interesting, you know, like if you try to explain like cryptocurrency, like, like say my parents, like, I'll try to explain to them what they're, and they, oh, you know, it's cryptocurrency, this is just a, a fad, it's a, yeah. it's a trend, you know, whatever it is. But really ask them, what do you know about the financial system? Do you know where your money is right now? Well, no one I knows. I feel like after yeah. post 9-11, post these big mega events, we kind of just, it's just been okay for corporations to control <laughs> all of our identities and just have access to all of this information. Yep. When really blockchain technology, um, uh, powered by, you know, with cryptocurrency as well, could be a solution for that. It could be a, no, it, it is the solution because it creates that transparency that everyone is longing for. And a lot of people don't really even know that the blockchain system came from the banking system. This is the same system that you use for credit cards and your checking systems and all this, that, that security that, 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 that protects your money is all blockchain. But it's decentralized, right? It's 100%. So here's, so here's my, my blockchain 101 scenario we got. Mm -hmm. All right, this is what we got for Acon. So if I'm gonna send Acon money, let's let's pick, have you pick up Uber right there, mm -hmm. and I'm starting on my mobile device. So I'm going to send my Acon money to to Acon over here. So I've got it on here. I'm gonna pass it, and it can't. It's so like a normal bank, my money's gonna go into the bank. This teeth cup right here is gonna go back to Acon. But with blockchain technology, it goes direct to me. It's going directly to him, and I'm gonna be able to tell where my money is in real time. Yep. So it's gonna be passed to here, to this node, this is another block of the chain. It's gonna be uh, you know, encrypted, encrypted. By cryptography, all that, all that good stuff that I don't know about, right? Mm -hmm. It's gonna be passed to this guy, encrypted, encrypted. And now it finally gets to Leo, and then to Oprah over there, and Akon gets his 500 bucks. But not only does he get $500, he now has an established digital identity, yep. right? So with your new decentralized application, um, a lot of, like we talked about earlier, refugees, immigrants, mm -hmm. people are born in countries and they have to flee because of war and stuff like that. This gives them an opportunity to get a credit card, establish a bank, um, apply for a job, get a car, insurance, yep. all that stuff that we take for granted, again, the bubble, 
they now have an opportunity for because of this uh, transparency and reliability with the blockchain. 100%. And you know the person on the other side is a real person. Exactly. So it's, yeah. it's, it's interesting, though. It's, it is. It's crazy times. What's it going to take for people to kind of buy into something like this? I think it's really just time. Time and us spreading the word and really more so educating each other about it. Because even the banking system, there's people still learning more about money and how money works, including myself. Money is so complicated. Yeah. It's the biggest business in the world. The right. biggest business in the universe is money. But you're like, how can money be the business when money is what creates the business? Right. It's, it gets very complicated, but money is a business. It's the biggest business in the universe. Right. But if you don't understand how money works, you wouldn't understand how money becomes a business. Well, money's just value, right? It's just what we accept as a terms of exchange. 100%, because before money, guess what? You were just trading anything that you considered had value. Rocks. Right now, I can trade you my belt for your shoes. Right, exactly. And that was a transaction. Mm -hmm. But there was no interest rate in between that transaction. There was no transaction fee in the mix of that. Right. And that's where money becomes the business now. Exactly. And, and the I know transactions. I, speaking with Lynn, um, the first mm -hmm. time I had the opportunity to speak with her, you know, she was talking about what you just mentioned, alluded to the next generation, understanding this thing. And if you want to get into this stuff early, if you're listening to this, you can basically become an expert in blockchain within a year. Oh, 100%. It's that new of a, a crypto. It's that new, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So I did reach out to a couple of investors um, and said, you know, what are some of the things that you're concerned about with cryptocurrency and blockchain? Hopefully we can get a, a better consensus on these things. Mm -hmm. So the first one was the ability to power uh, the blockchain. It does take a lot of energy to do. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of scalability, what are you kind of seeing in the future for, for cryptocurrency and the decentralized app to be powered on? Um, I think that will come with the solution of how the technology itself just naturally evolves. Okay. Because you gotta think about the internet. We thought about eventually, okay, well, when the internet started, look how much time and power it took right. to power the basic internet without all these extra gigabytes and terrors that you got sitting in a warehouse somewhere, right? Now, everything is cloud-based. Mm -hmm. It don't take that much power. So, because as, so you have to look at this as, like you said, growing technology, as it grows, the things around it that support it is gonna also grow and it's gonna develop to you know, a more you know, stronger system. Right, right, and so the other question was, with governments. Now I know you've talked a lot um, with Reverend J J uh, Jesse Jackson about one currency for Africa and equality mm -hmm. because um, again, I live in the bubble, but my research has told me that a lot of the African governments because of some deals they've made in uh, population growth, mm -hmm. um, their currency has become very unstable. Yeah. Um, and, and that's something that they can't help at all. Yeah, they can't. So entrepreneurs are struggling to really develop these countries. So how would you work with an African government and are they lenient towards a decentralized system or are they uh, uh, giving you any feedback about saying, hey, no, we want to keep everything centralized for taxes? Well, this is the beauty of it. It's a gift and it's a curse. Okay. The gift is you don't need the government. That's the gift. The government can be involved or they can be left behind. Either way, cryptocurrency is gonna be the future. Okay. So you can adapt to it now and you know, take the advantage to now you know, draw your, you know, your, your, your laws and everything around it to where it actually works okay. for you. Or you can try to discount it, try to ban it, do whatever you can to not allow it to be a part of you and it's gonna suck you over and just push you to the side. So 
that's their choice. Now, when it comes to the aspect of having crypto as a liaison for a country in Africa, it benefits the country because liaison. it benefits. Can you explain that? What, what you okay, Sorry. so majority of these African countries are having issues because they don't control their own resources. Right, okay. Right, they're either colonized by the French or the British or the Portuguese, right? And there's only maybe one or maybe two African countries that have control, which is like Ethiopia, so, like certain people that you can say, okay, they control, we control ours. Morocco, like certain people, right? The rest of Africa, especially, you know, when you look at West Africa, the French control all of West Africa. That's the reason why West Africa hasn't evolved. If West Africa really delivers majority of the resources that powers the world. So there's no reason why West Africa should be poor. Right. But West Africans don't control their resources. The French controls it. Mm. So what the treaties that they've signed in the past affects them from utilizing those resources to the benefit of the African people. You follow what I'm saying? So this is why they constantly you know, suppressed and pushed down. But in the process of all that, what the French are not calculating is that the population growth is rapidly growing. So when you look at Africa itself, it's one point something billion people. In the next five years, it's going to be close to two billion people. So now if you have two billion people in a continent with no resources, they're naturally going to spill over into Europe, Canada, uh, okay, that's good. UK, yeah. and with the system that's in place now to create an immigrational system to hold back 500 million people into Europe don't exist. Mm -hmm. So that's a problem that French, the France, is gonna, France is gonna have to handle later. If they don't utilize those resources to create avenues, opportunity, and access for people in West Africa to live and to create their own economy and control their own economy. So it seems like there's a ton of economic upside. There's a lot too, yes. It's a benefit to them right. to develop Africa. I mean, you, use, you, you have access to, you have the rights to the minerals and resources anyway. Right. So instead of putting all of it into France and your, your neighboring allies, you have to put some of that back into Africa for Africans to be able to survive or at least put themselves in a position where they can create their own opportunities. Right, right. Because otherwise it's gonna be a problem for them later. So I'm just thinking about this. Um, so you got the new cryptocurrency. We both know that governments love taxes, though. Absolutely. How would this be? Because I know like uh, cryptocurrency is big on the black market, so mm -hmm. you can make exchanges and trade goods without being taxed. How would? I mean, have you thought about something like this about taxing, and, and how does that really work in relationship with the government? Well, in Africa, tax don't really work well. Okay. The people that don't pay taxes. Don't pay taxes because they don't believe in the government enough to pay the tax, because they feel like if I pay the tax to the government, where's the money gonna go? Sure. I can pay the tax to the government, but then where are they gonna spend it? Right. Because none of it We're is coming here. Yeah, because obviously nothing is happening. I haven't seen no new roads, no new bridges, no right. new roundabouts, no new structures. So where's the money going? But they've seen a solar panel. You know, yeah, they've seen that. So they would definitely invest in that because they actually could see it with their own eyes. One thing about Africa is they want to see with their own eyes. Right. Even if they was to book me in a country, no one believes it until I touch down. Mm. Oh, Akon is not coming. I need to see it with my own eyes. Okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. so with them, you have to show and tell. And that was one of the main reasons, even when we started with the lighting project, we would go into every country 
and we'd sit down with the president, figure out where the need is the most you know, vast, and then we would actually put a pilot project down that we funded with our money. And that would allow them to see, okay, this project is real. We're coming in with no money up. We're gonna put in our own money. We're gonna light a village just to let you know that this is a real project. And then from there, the conversations become serious and we're able to move forward with contracts. Unbelievable. Yeah. So let's talk about scale. So I know we've, oh, we want to give a little sneak peek about Acon City today. Mm -hmm. um, what's, what's the idea behind that and how is it going to be this transparent, decentralized city? Well, now, with that, there's two parts to that, right? You have the Acon, pretty much like the entertainment city, which is the futuristic city. Okay. Now, this city is what Africa needs and will look like in the next 10, 20 years. Right. It's Black Panther on steroids. So the Wakanda. That's clearly, it's the Aconda, right? So the whole idea for that is to create all the opportunities that came from the latest technologies today, and we take full advantage of it. Leapfrog the same way we went from landlines to cell phones, we want to leapfrog from today into the future. And not utilizing regular currency from resources we don't control. Mm -hmm. We want to utilize the cryptocurrency, Acoin, which would allow the generation to put in all their value, and that now becomes our resource. Because the biggest resource and the most important resource in any country is human resources. When you have the population, that's all you need. And who's the population? I know with your music, back to your music, uh, you're working on a Spanish album right now. Mm -hmm. you know, you're working in emerging markets. You're performing uh, in, in third world countries. Um, are these, is this the population you're referring to that you want to be on this platform to give them this opportunity? Well, the, the population for me specifically in Africa is the younger generation. The younger generation. Yeah, you because know, 60, almost 70% of Africa now is all ran controlled and it's populated by younger generation from between 25 and under. Wow. This Africa's ran by the youth. Wow. You know, and they're, they are tomorrow's future for Africa. So let's equip them with all the tools that they need to develop the country in a way that they can live comfortably. Interesting. So in the city, if I'm a business, um, what would be an incentive for me to like come to the city? And, and would my money be uh, at least transferable to another fiat money if I need to go outside the country, or is it only acceptable within the city? Well, that's the beautiful thing about the Acorn. You will be able to transfer it to any fiat currency. Okay. It can go from crypto to fiat currency and all any other areas of where currency can be, you know, duplicated or even transferred. We're gonna have access to every single transfer and motion from single. It like it doesn't really matter because it's only so many ways you can transfer money. If it's valued at a certain and you can get it back at the same value or better, then naturally consider that an investment. Mm -hmm. Now with Acoin, you're backed by, not only you're backed by the population, but you're also being supported by every dApp and app that's on the platform itself. See, the beauty of it is a collaboratory, you know, like I told you, project, where everybody brings whatever their value is to the platform, right. and we help to source that. And then we connect it with all the other dApps and apps on the platform and combine sources that actually strengthen each other to better situations for each other. So let's say hypothetically you have uh, uh, land rights, okay. right? Yeah, I wish. Just, just imagine. <laughs> just imagine you have land rights, and your your coin states that okay, on my land rights, uh, I'm allowing everyone on the the platform that actually have land to be able to utilize the land as value, and they can trade that through my currency on the platform. 
right? Okay, now me, I'm in the solar. I can't put solar down unless I have land. Mm. I may not have enough land for a specific project. So I can trade you some of my land. So, or we can partner up on specific areas of growth where both that land and that solar have to play hand in hand. Uh, so that's what you mean by you giving entrepreneurs. Every, absolutely, so we connected all the people okay. on the platforms, not only that, but it's all being done automatically. This is, and then as you, as you be more active on it, you also see people of your peers in areas where you are that actually you can combine with, that you can collaborate with, partner with, or even utilize for resources to get certain things done. You know, it's, it's interesting times. It's really Very interesting. You know, yeah. To see something like this by the time I'm here, it would be amazing. Um, and I'm just thinking right now, you know, I don't know if you know or not, like, but you hold against Book of World Records for the most ringtones ever sold. Yeah. That was your time, and that was not that long ago. No, it wasn't. Ringtones. I mean, think about it. Ringtones were just, this was just in the mid-2000s, oh. early 2000, 2006, 2007, 2008. Yeah, not that <laughs> right? long ago. Right? And, and <laughs> now right. ringtones seem like it's ancient, like it seems old, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we've got iPhones here, we've got cameras now. Yeah. Um, Technology is evolving that fast, but as we know that the businesses that we've interviewed, the stories that we tell, mm -hmm. um, in order to have a, a profitable business and stuff to get investments, and you need to have long-term vision. Long One thousand percent, absolutely. Um, what would you say, um, you know, your vision is for for Acorn and cryptocurrency? Well, I mean, my ultimate vision, and I, that's that's where my legacy play actually comes in. I want the A-Coin to be the official currency for all of Africa. I want it to be the coin that, you know, that, that actually brings the population together, brings the cultures together, you know, bring the worlds together, you know, and utilize Africa in a way to where those resources are really magnified and used in a way to where the people themselves are benefiting from it. And that's in any third world country that has those type of aspects and, and advantages. We utilize that to where the people actually benefit because Majority of the problems going on in the world today is because there's lack of opportunity, right. you know, and there's lack of safety, there's lack of things that people actually need. And these are everyday working people that provide those things for governments to be able to trade off and, and, and be able to leverage. But when the trades are happening and the leverages are being leveraged and then the people aren't benefiting from it and these are the people that's put in place to represent us. So who are you leveraging for? Who are you trading for? Right. If all these deals around the world is happening, but the people are still suffering and still going through these times, but yet we put you in office to help us to leverage our resources, our opportunities, our advantages that, the, that our country provides for someone else to prosper. And you guys make these deals on behalf of us, but yet we're still living in the same situation for the last 10, 15 years. And that's the problem. And that's what we're just talking about, right? Yeah. Transparency, we're talking about, you know, we just kind of just let the government have control of all of our access. Corporations have all our information now. And we just let it go. You know, yeah. it's all right. It's cool. Um, but and most people, be, yeah, most people because they don't have the information. And they don't even know where to start. They feel like their voices don't matter. But then when you look at blockchain and how that works, it now actually gives you the information. How that happened. Who the deal happened with. How much was spent in that deal. In detail, who received what how much they receive, where they receive, and for how long they're gonna be receiving it. So it gives you the transparency that you're looking for to really say, okay, this is how this works. Okay, let's see how that happened. Okay, now this could be the solution. And then people can now also start being involved. And the thing is just to, I mean, I don't know, 
you know, bash on corporations. A lot of them do a lot of good things, obviously, but mm -hmm. um, I like corporations. I mean, they've been they've just been we can't survive without them. We really can't, you know. And I, th I think sometimes we put too much responsibility on corporation. Yes, because a corporation had to be built by somebody. Mm -hmm. You can go and build a huge Fortune 500 company if you focus yourself to it, because that corporation that you, people are you know, bashing was built by somebody who was just like us. Now, some of them might have came with advantages you know, due to rich families and, and old money, but that still doesn't you know, subtract the fact that you yourself have the you know, opportunity to actually go out and just create something innovative, right. you know, innovative that can change the world. Right. You know? the, the point I'm trying to get to is, the corporation started years and years and years ago. Yeah. Acorn is just launching. Yeah. It takes a lot of persistence, a lot of confidence, um, uh, a lot of just determination, you know, to, to build something like this. Yeah. Um, what advice do you have for entrepreneurs who are just starting up and trying to start their own businesses, and how should they be looking at a business? I mean, look at look at a business first of all from the standpoint of what your passion is. Because I think sometimes getting, people get into business for all the wrong reasons and then they wonder why they fail. If you're only in it for the money, you're not going to put your 100% into it. If you get into a business, get into a business that you genuinely have a passion for, that you genuinely love to do. Find something that you would do, you love to do so much that you're willing to do it for free. I like that. I like that a lot. The moment that happens and you can identify what that is, you're automatically going to be successful because anything that you love to do that you're willing to do for free, you're going to do often. And when you do something often, you're great at doing that. And when you're great at doing something, people pay you for those services. Right. And when they pay you for those services, boom, now you're into the money. And you're doing something you love to do, so you're only going to go even harder when you're being rewarded to do something you love to do. Right. And just figuring that out a little bit earlier, too. That's you know, it. We, we talked about yeah. CEOs that, that kind of will reach a point in their career and then go, what am I really doing with my life? I don't like my job, I have a ton of money. Absolutely. Purposeful. Yep. You even mentioned you know, lean with a higher purpose. Um, you know, these are all qualities of a real leader. Um, you know, really the last question I wanna ask you is, is, what is your definition of a real leader? A leader is someone that knows how to motivate people to do things they never wished or thought that they could actually do. People that allows people to find the inner them to make themselves stronger when they didn't believe in themselves. And people that knows how to read, activate, and take advantage of opportunities that other people provide and make that connection to make it bigger. I like that. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Because now if you can have a, if you can put together a group of people that believes in your vision and you can convince those group of people that that vision is our vision, then that's the moment when you become a leader. Oh, I did a lot. Okay, so you know, we, we've talked about the bubble today. We've talked about you know, kind of your upbringing. We've talked about the problems in Africa. Mm. Touch a little bit on your career journey. Um, and then lastly, the leadership lessons, we wrapped it up. And we threw in a little uh, ringtone you know, fact. Yeah, too. a little ringtone fact. Um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, just for people out there um, listening to this, I hope they can see the real leader in you. Uh, we really do appreciate your time coming on no, the show thank today. you, man. I appreciate um, it. So, people, if you're listening to this on audio, if you're watching this on YouTube, go out there and, like Akon said, bring the best out of your people. Be that leader. To Absolutely. Um, appreciate your time here today, Akon. No, you got it, brother. Thanks for coming down, man. My man. Appreciate it. And that wraps up for this bonus episode of the Real Leaders Podcast. 
Um, and how about that Akon? Man, he's doing incredible things. Um, you know, actually, I didn't even know that, you know, how spiritual he was, right? I mean, when I asked him that question um, you know, about why he leads and, and if he leads with a higher purpose, um, I look at Earth as a test for that. I mean, when I'm ranking these leaders, when I'm listening, when I'm interviewing them, um, you know, that is a quality that not that many leaders possess. Some of them on the show do possess it, but not that many do. You know, whether you possess it or not, you know, it's, it's not like you're a better leader or not, but you have to take that into account um, if you're going to work for someone like that because it's, it's a special quality that not that many leaders have. Um, anyway, I digress. Folks, this podcast would not be possible if it weren't for, you know, everyone over at Team Acoin. So thank you. Uh, big shout out to them. Big shout out to Lynn Liss, who is actually, who, who is the uh, COO of Acoin. And I was able to interview back in October at a conference. And and we just kind of put this together and said, hey, you know, we need to make this happen. Um, so again, I'll, I'll state it over. Acon flew all the way from Saudi Arabia just for this interview and then flew back. So um, the, the man is something special. So if you've read anything in the news about him being you know, negative or nasty, uh, it's just not true. And, and I just want to make you all aware that that interview was uncut. It was unedited. That is the raw. That is the real Acon. Um, so I hope you're able to display that today. Um so anyway, folks, uh, I will actually now digress. Uh, you can find more leaders like Akon if you go to our website. Have you been to our website yet? Go check it out. It's real-leaders.com. Um, you can pick up the magazine at real-leaders.com slash subscribe um, and get your free digital magazine. Just kidding, not free. It's actually today you're going to get it for 60% off. So uh, unless you want to email me, I'll give it to you for free, whatever. Uh, but 60% off. Uh, use c- coupon code ACON60, um, and you can read more stories like like ACON, you know, obviously, and Guy Kawasaki, Mila Kunis, Malala, and Paul Pullman. Uh, again, that's 60% off using coupon code ACON60 at realleaders.com slash subscribe. All right, everyone. Folks, if you enjoyed this podcast, we have plenty more, so make sure to subscribe and get notified of its release. With that being said, everyone, thank you for your time. Believe in yourself and always keep it real.